As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling? All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast Growling. It's the Growler. Episodes we are going all in on Bengals, Steelers, round one uh, for this year. Lot to get to. Jay, how are we doing? Doing well. It's Steeler week. It is Steeler week. It's a fun uh, week. You know, it's always something. The, the, somebody, I, I think I was on, um, I was on a Steelers podcast, and they're like, you know, does this kind of feel like a different week with new players? I was like, uh, yeah, it's different. Both teams are in intensive COVID protocol right now. I'm at practice on Wednesday, and you know, because and really, it's kind of it's just it's still just surreal sometimes. But particularly now, they amped up the the protocol even more when you're in the intensive protocol. Every single player at practice, if they are not actually participating in on, between the lines, that includes if you're stretching, if you're just standing on the sideline, anything you're doing in practice besides being involved, mask on. Like it's just they're trying everything they can to avoid the close contacts and all that stuff. So it's just it's it's just very surreal and guys take their masks off when they go to go out on the field uh you know it's it's all very it's different ben roethlisberger in the protocol everybody wakes up every morning waiting to see is ben gonna get through today because if he gets through clear with no positive tests he will be the quarterback for the pittsburgh steelers on sunday if he's not mason rudolph will be change the dynamic of this game a little bit so yeah a little different a little different steelers week yeah, and you wonder. I mean, so what? Vance McDonald. We, we t- I talked to to Mark Caboli about this, which you'll you'll hear a little later. But he he tested positive on Monday. So really, you when you think about the incubation period, four, five, maybe even six days, there. I, I think there's probably still some uneasy uh, feelings in in Pittsburgh right now, hoping that that Ben can get through this and not end up testing positive. But as Mark said, that Vance is his best friend. He sits next to him on the plane. This this is. This is not an ideal situation for them, and it does. It's going to be a totally different game, although we have seen backup quarterbacks beat the Bengals uh, for the Steelers before. That's that's not 
totally out of the question. <laughs> we have seen this. And also, we've also seen Ben Roethlisberger with like every potential obstacle in front of him just find some way. You know, it's like broken leg, broken arm, like COVID protocol for a week, no practice, you know, whatever it is. I mean, it feels like, it feels like every time they play Ben, he's got some sort of injury where he's limping on or off of the field at some point. It's, it's, just, it's just sort of the way this thing goes. It's, it should be no shock that uh, it's going to be part of the storyline here on Sunday that he could just go out with no practice potentially during the week and two bad knees by the way uh, that also had him like wondering how much he was going to be able to do and you know potentially still stick it to the Bengals it would be certainly uh, on par for what's happened here. A real quick preview of what we're going to have today. Jay mentioned it, uh, your interview with Mark Caboli to give insight into what's going on with the 8-0 and undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers, the only undefeated team left in football. So Bengals go to Heinz Field Sunday, 425, by the way, in the second window, which you would think, oh, more national TV. Actually, more games in the second window this Sunday than the first window. So the Bengals still end up in the crowded window. But that said, very very fun game. Joe Burrow's first trip to Heinz Field, which is exciting. We will talk a little bit about that and how they can keep him alive, potentially, against the best pass rush in football. Um, Jay's got a story on fourth downs, which is really interesting about how good the Bengals have been and why that has been, and including the analytics behind that and some of the gut feel stuff. And so really, really interesting stuff. I highly recommend reading that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about dumb social media posts. Uh, and then we're going to get into Jay's Got Stats because he has them. We've run past your boot. And we're going to come up with a Bengals growler bet on the fly for you. I just know we are. Uh, so, all right. Let's start with this um, before we jump into the game, just to get it out of the way. Tack McKinley, now a member of the Cincinnati Bengals, who is a, uh, this is why we do this. This is why I do this. Holding the picture of his grandma when he was drafted, which is just an epic moment in draft history and one in our draft room that I will never forget. Shout out Brett Jagger, uh, who that night, the Bengals intern from that draft night, who I think uh, uh, does the greatest impression of Tack McKinley of all time. Uh, and so he is now a member of the Bengals. They picked him up off waivers, one of uh, reportedly four teams to place a claim. Here's the thing on that. Bengals desperately need pass rush help. Uh, you know, he is that. He is a former first-round pick who they considered drafting uh, back in 2017, who is a pass rush specialist type who maybe he can find a way to revitalize himself too. He is only owed, I think, $875,000 the rest of this year that they would have to cover. Three, if he does play well and goes somewhere else, comp pick ramifications where they could get a positive comp pick out of him signing somewhere. So all three of those make this a pretty easy easy uh, you know decision for the Bengals. Most notably, he could help them actually maybe win a game this year because they just need anybody. He's he's kind of like, okay, it's basically that they traded Carlos Dunlap for Tack McKinley at this point. So whatever that means to you. Yeah, I mean that was the that was the kind of the strange thing about it, but it, it that goes back to everybody. It's like the the girl that thinks she can change the bad boy. Like every every team <laughs> thinks they can they can make a guy a, a disgruntled guy happy that the the new surroundings will be all it takes to to make things right. And you know, they it you, Carlos Dunlap spouts off on social media and and basically 
demands a trade or demands his release and they finally give it to him. And then they bring in a guy who spouted off on social media demanding a trade and um, whose production had really waned this year. Um, but maybe, maybe it does work out. Maybe, maybe the new surroundings, I mean, it worked for Carlos. He, he played really well in that, in, in that first game, uh, for the Seahawks. So the, the Bengals would like to, to get similar production from Tack McKinley. Won't be this week, uh, because of the protocol, but he'll, he'll be, he'll be able to go against Washington next week. Yeah. I mean, the thing, the one thing I'll say about Tack McKinley is that you take a guy who now is sort of playing for his career a little bit. I mean, certainly for his next contract, uh, where if he can go out and have seven productive games, get a couple of sacks and make a difference, he could be looking at a lot more money in free agency. And, and when you're cast aside, um, I do think sometimes it does tend to turn the motivational light on for you. And maybe you just come in and kind of blindly just play your butt off. I think that's probably what they're hoping for and and see what happens from there. But really, any chance you're willing to take to get some pass rush right now, you will take because they don't have any to speak of. So makes sense on a lot of levels for the Bengals, and we'll talk more about that in the lead-up to the game against Washington. In, in the meantime, let's talk about how to approach the Steelers game in in, in terms of protecting Joe Burrow, and that starts with the injury report. And and what this offensive line is going to look like, we're still kind of trying to read the tea leaves and read the injury report to figure that out. What we do know, which is not much, uh, but for who's going to start where, uh, Jonah Williams was a limited participant, so that's a good sign probably for him being able to go on Sunday. We will see more um, as the week goes on, but I think there's optimism that Jonah Williams will be starting left tackle. Uh, Trey Hopkins at center and Michael Jordan at guard are good to go, according to Zach Taylor. Uh, you have the que- Bobby Hart is was working out on the side. I- I'll say, I'll talk about this with Joe Mixon too. I was watching him; it didn't look. This is my opinion on Bobby Hart. Did not look great trying to work out on the side. I feel like it's a stretch. I feel like he wants to go play because Fred Johnson is in the protocol and there's no thought, well, he'll be able to go. If he can't, it'd be Akeem Adenogy. So one of those three guys is going to be playing right tackle. Take your pick on which one makes you happiest. Uh, But that's kind of where I think that's at. The question then is who's going to be playing at the other guard position? Will it be Quentin Spain? Will it be Alex Redmond? Will it be Xavier Suofilo who was activated? Um I don't think it'll be Suofilo. I think you'll either see Redmond or Michael Jordan maybe moving over to right guard and Spain playing left guard. That really hasn't been figured out yet because I just think there's just a lot of missing. There's a lot of moving pieces on on who all is going to be where. But um, you know, I think that's kind of where we're settling in at right now. Yeah, I think a lot of it might come down to how they think this game is going to play out and and what what their their game plan is going in because we talked about this when they signed Quentin Spain that he is he is so good uh, as a pass blocker whereas Alex Redmond's specialty is is run blocking but you know Quentin Spain he 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 played pretty well in the run game in in that first game against Tennessee he's a he's got some power to him um I, I don't know I don't know which which direction they go there it, it would it would seem odd that they would move Michael Jordan to, to right guard, but if if Quentin Spain is that much more comfortable on the left side, maybe they do. 
Um, I, I'm with you. I don't think Bobby Hart's going to play. I, I, they, they wanted to see a full week of practice and him practice well. And the fact that he, he, he was just on the side last week. And as you said, not looking like he was moving all that great. It just, it feels like a long shot. There is a chance that Fred Johnson can play, even though he's in protocol. Um, he, he will be cleared on Saturday via the 10 day rule as long as he has the negative test. But again, there's a guy that doesn't practice all week. Um, is that someone, is he that much better than a Denogy that you're going to throw him in there? Um, I, 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 it feels like it's going to be a denogy. And I noticed on the the depth chart that they released, and you can never – it's an unofficial depth chart, but it's still interesting when they make changes. And uh, for the first time this year, they had a denogy listed ahead of Fred Johnson on this week's depth chart. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And that may be a clue as to, to who we'll see at, at right tackle on Sunday. The bottom line is whoever's in there is charged with protecting Joe Burrow uh, for his life because the Pittsburgh Steelers are coming for his soul, and uh, they've been known to take souls. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I was sort of discuss. I was in a very short. I got I got a conference call. Conference call. It was my me and Mike Tomlin uh, yesterday, and it was very short. Uh, an unfortunate mix up in the number or the Zoom room and all kinds of stuff. Where it left both of us sitting, waiting to get into a Zoom for about ten minutes, staring at a, the same screen. Uh, finally got him while I was on a cell phone with him. I think running to practice, uh, but it, it, I sort of was asking about you know Burrow and the defense, and it wasn't long, but he was like, you know, look. What makes us go? It's it's TJ Watt and Bud Dupree. This is not a secret. They embrace the idea of being an outside linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that's our engine. And and that point, I think, is the point that needs to be focused on here because you're looking at how do you stop that engine? How do you slow that engine? You've 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 got to find some way to keep them from do- taking this game over, and it's their strength against your weakness. And that is not a good matchup for the Bengals uh, right now, until they, and especially right now when they're beat up. So, what can they do? I mean, you've got to swing, you got to have quick game, you you got to have screens, you got to have Joe Burrow's cadence. You got to, you know, it's funny. We, you know, I was asking questions about this as I'm attempting to write this story a little bit about how to offset a pass rush. Part of it, Joe Burrow is as good as using his cadence as a weapon as any quarterback in football right now. Uh, they have seven times they've gotten defensive offsides. Now, I'm just looking at the penalty. I didn't look specifically at how many across the league were caused by cadence, but that's second most in football uh, behind only Pat Mahomes, who is notably the best at it. I mean, you know, remarkably the best at it, him and Aaron Rodgers. Um, and he's already as good at that as anybody. And, you know, it's you wouldn't think about that going on the road. But with no fans or limited fans, the ability to use your cadence as a weapon on the road is still there. And he's not only trying to get it to gain five yards, otherwise, you know, it's still a footnote. I mean, but when you're getting one a game, that is a free shot at some point that you hope to take. And he hopes that maybe he can use that to offset some aggression as well to keep them a little bit off balance. Unlike a lot of rookie quarterbacks who just go in there on one on one hut and guys are teeing off on them. Uh, you know, Burroughs got that in his in his uh, toolbox, and he's going to have to use it. 
Yeah, the flip side of that, though, is you've got guys like Adeniji and Quentin Spain who aren't used to hearing it. They, I mean, the Bengals have quite a few false starts this year, and I think a part of that has been attributed to those guys getting used to to Joe's cadence. And and then you know the, the same thing. There could be other new new faces in there as well. So it it is a big weapon. Did you happen to look and see um, of those seven offsides how many were road, how many were home? Uh, it was about an even split, but yeah, yeah, yeah. There, you're still able to, you're still able to kind of either way. You're, he's been able to use it, and he's he has taken some shots and hit some shots, um, and he got mad at the referee for not giving him a shot uh, yes. against Tennessee uh, because that's that's the the way he's he's hoping to use him, and, and that's going to be a part of. But it's not. That's a small part. It's a small sliver. Really, it comes down to executing the quick game and not trying to be too much and that means not doing what you did in baltimore you know the hits from behind how much did he learn and once he gets out there in the fire about playing a team like this that's going to be all in your grill all day how much did they learn offensively and how much did burrow learn that's to me uh going to be the big question of this game in regards to whether the Bengals can keep this competitive or even potentially pull off some kind of upset yeah, and, and and can they run the ball? Yeah, keep that keep that team off, keep the Steelers' offense off the the field. It's going to be hard with Joe Mixon, obviously, but I mean that's that's another way that to slow down those edge guys. If you're just if you can hit a team up the middle, um, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see how they a- attack them. And as you said, how much we've we've seen Joe learn because if if that first if if that first read isn't there, that clock has to be ticking in his head to to get rid of it. And he's he's been great at extending plays, but I'm not sure this is the defense you want to you want to roll the dice and, and take a chance on extending plays against because he may not he may not get to play him a second time if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, before we move on, let's take a quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, another part is it's drive efficiency. You know, as much as it's about running the ball, it's just they, they've got to find, scrape out points in as many drives as they can. You know, whether they're quick, whether it's not, whether it's taking shots. You know, they're going to have the Steelers' DBs have given up, you know, have gotten beat up by some receivers. I think the Bengals' receivers have good matchups. They, they will most weeks um, with, with the guys that they have at their disposal. Making that be the matchup, unless the trenches be the matchup, is really going to be key, and and that goes back to quick game, but also goes back to just finding your spots where you can get enough time to get these guys downfield. Um, 
and and if you do, I think that that's how they can get some points and and scrape things out. Part of that also is what you wrote about Jay, and that's probably converting some fourth downs. You know, it's probably getting in some drives uh, where you're sitting there and and being aggressive. Uh, you wrote about this. The Bengals are 16 of their last 17 on fourth down. And yeah, there's a, a lot lot that goes into that, and it's been it's wild to watch that play out. It's insane. I mean, you just don't. I mean, most most teams are around fifty percent. It's it's like a two point conversion. It's a it's a coin flip of a play, and and to be sixteen of seventeen is really remarkable. And and then people will say, well, yeah, it's because they're a bad team and they're they're always losing, and they have to go for these. Um, eight of the seventeen were were those type of situations where it's late in the game and any any team would go for it. But but nine of those plays are are them embracing analytics the the sam francis who's 25 years old a 2017 college graduate um, he was an intern with the bills analytics department um, zach brings him in and has has really given him a, a key role where he is on the headset on game day um, he he goes over every possible scenario and it's as early as is is first down sometimes ideally they like to do it before the second down and they'll say hey if, if depending on the score the time of the game where they're out on the field if we get to fourth and say five on this series the book says go for it and and Zach's got that in the back of his head and, and that plays into the the play calls he makes on on second down and third down at times and what, what we've seen during this run of 17 Fourth down convert or fourth down attempt, sixteen conversions. Um, only one has been fourth longer than fourth and five, and, and that was the the fourth and nine late at Indianapolis when when Joe Burrow hit AJ Green for ten yards um, it, to keep that that final drive going, and then Burrow ended up throwing the pick a couple plays later. But most of the time they're in these these fourth and five, fourth and three situations, and they're 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 going for it sometimes when they're on their side of the field. And it's, it's been a, it's just, it's really remarkable when, when you look at the numbers because teams just, you, you don't have that kind of success. 16 out of 17. This goes, this goes back. And, and I mentioned this to Zach when I talked to him for the story. Uh, this streak started on an Andy Dalton pass to John Ross, as all good streaks do. <laughs> I mean, that's how far this goes back. This goes back to week 15 last year against the Patriots that they've been doing this. And, um, you know, they had that Cleveland game. Sam talked about the, the Cleveland game when they the week two game Thursday night, they were five for five on fourth downs. And he said that's the game that really kind of showed him this this killer instinct that, that Joe Burrow has. And then Zach used that exact same phrase, the killer instinct, the Tennessee game. It, they had just given up a touchdown, so they're down they're they're leading 10 to 7. It's late in the second quarter and they've got the ball on their own 43, fourth and 5. That that kind of feels like maybe you know you you punt the ball and, and hope your defense doesn't give up points in in the in the final 2 minutes the way they do so often. If if you go for it and don't get it, you're almost certainly going to give up points, maybe give up the lead. They say screw it. The book says go for it. They go for it. Joe Burrow ends up hitting T. Higgins for 22 yards. They end up finishing that drive with a touchdown and leaving just 32 seconds on the clock, take a 17-7 to lead, and basically took control of the game from that point. Um, those are just some of the, 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 the key. It's not just a, 
hey, they're good on fourth down. It's what these fourth downs have meant. 14 of the 16 conversions have extended drives that have ended in points. That's the thing about this. And, and, you know, people, the analytics revolution in the NFL has been going on for a while. Um, and the Bengals, you know, and to be quite honest, are on the lower end of, of, I wouldn't say embracing it, but staffing it. <laughs> yes. You know, most teams have more than, hey, 25 year old Sam Francis is our analytics department, but at least they have Sam Francis on the headset and they're playing the, and they're playing the numbers, you know, and all of that stuff as far as in games things go. Um, that's, that's the difference. I mean, that's the the difference in drive efficiency. When you talk about how the Bengals are second in the league the last three weeks uh, in three point three points per drive, that this is part of what it goes back to. It's the understanding of the risk reward of it all and, and the book. This is like Jay when you and I play blackjack next to each other, and I am not the blackjack aficionado that you are. I don't spend late nights in the Pittsburgh casinos, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just say Jay. Book, I, it's like I got you in my ear, right? Right. You know, <laughs> book says, and that's and sometimes when you're a coach and you got a million different things going on, you need to have you have to have that boom in your, you know, and I, I think that has paid off for them, and it pays off a little bit more when you hit them, and when you got a guy like Burrow who's so good at I think converting a lot of this stuff, um, that's part of this, and the, it's going to take probably. I'm I'm going to go ahead bold claim if the Bengals were to pull this upset they will convert at least three fourth downs. That's yeah, my that's that's my opinion in the game that way we'll convert three fourth downs if they win. Check that stat if that happens. Yeah, because they've shown that, that if they're behind that then they'll in the a fourth down comes up they will they'll feel the need to go for fourth and if if they are ahead and they cut they get a fourth and short. They'll they'll go for it as part of that killer instinct they're trying to to come up with. If you remember, it was a, a fourth down conversion that that gave them their second touchdown in Indy to go up fourteen nothing. You could figure they're already on the road; they're up seven nothing. Just kick the field goal here and and take a two possession lead, and, and they went for it there. So you're right. I I think whether however this game plays out, behind or in front. That that they're we're going to see them go for it a couple times, and the interesting thing about that is the Steelers, as is often the case, are the complete opposite of the Bengals in this because they lead the NFL in in fourth in third in fourth down efficiency on defense. Uh, teams have gone for it eleven times against the Steelers on fourth down and only converted twice. So the, the proverbial something has to give in this game. Jays got stats. <laughs> As always, that is, I mean, that's just a, that's a fun game within the game to keep an eye out for, uh, if it plays out, uh, on Sunday in what can be critical spots. And we could be, I mean, we could be sitting here after the game on Sunday writing about this exact topic, uh, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, speaking of Jay's got stats, you've got losing time stats, Jay. Bengals, yes. Steelers, losing time stats. Uh, if you uh, are an optimist, optimistic Bobby, scroll ahead about three minutes. Uh, <laughs> if you're if you're on his and you just like prefer just to only hear the good, if your echo chamber of news is positive Bengals news and you try to stay away from the negative, this is not the segment for you. Jay's got losing time stats, Bengals, Steelers. What do you got? Yeah, the, the the whole genesis of losing time goes back to to 2017. Um, the the Bengals were winning 
uh, I believe it was 17 to 3. Monday night football against the Steelers. Against the Steelers, yes. And the Steelers drive down and get a field goal right before halftime and uh, really kind of swung the momentum and ended up winning that game. And I was like, you know, they do this every single time they play the Bengals, it seems like. that they. So I went back and I looked. And this goes back to 2007. And... <laughs> In 22 of the last 27 Bengals-Steelers game, the Steelers have gotten points in the final two minutes of the first half. 22 of 27. And there's there's another two where they just scored too fast. One, they got a field goal with 320 left. The other, they got a field goal with 410 left. It's just they they do it time and time again. And they are – it's not just the Bengals they do it to, but the, the Bengals – have given up the most since the start of 2017. The Bengals have given up 41 scores in the final two minutes of the first half, and the Steelers are first in the league and get they have 36 final two minute scores of the first half. So again, it's just one of those things where the they're on complete opposite sides, and the the Steelers use it just totally exploit the Bengals' inability to, to to defend them at the end of the half, and it swings momentum. And that's that's why this losing streak against the Steelers is – or it's a big reason why it's as, as long as it is. Losing time. It's so true. Ten in a row they've lost to the Steelers, 13 of 14, and so many of those are because they lost it in losing time. In so many ways, whether it was momentum, whether it was the actual score, because a lot of these games have been close. Some have not. A lot have been very close. And you look back and there was a losing time turn of events. So, again, I say if you're in the positive echo chamber, uh, you know, maybe just extended break uh, to get dinner, uh, you know, with five minutes left. In the in the second quarter, and then come back a little bit at the beginning. Of the, you know, just go get your meal. You go your do your drive through run before losing time, and you won't have to see any of this type of stuff happen. That happens every time these two teams get together. Which brings me to another point: we're segueing our faces off today, and that is when you are on a ten game losing streak, and when you have lost thirteen of fourteen to another team. Perhaps that's not the moment in time to post the TJ Hushmanzada using the terrible towel gif on his on his cleats. Maybe win a tilt. Maybe be comp- more competitive in a tilt first before you go openly poking the bear that has eaten you alive 10 straight times. I don't I, I look, I understand, man, the social being a social media like person in today's day and age is super tough. You're you're one keystroke away from being fired. You're one keystroke away from people in the building yelling at you. You are one keystroke away from being told you're not being viral enough. Right? Like there it's it's a way harder game than anybody really wants to be a part of. You you always are in the limelight, you're thrusting yourself into the limelight. It's hard. And the Bengals have upgraded in that area significantly this year. I will give them all that credit. And make sure we get this out of the way. Yes. That said, read the room. Not the time. Not the time when you're, you've been getting your butts kicked by the Steelers to go into Heinz Field and tweet out the taunting gif at the Steelers, which understandably set off some of their former players, their current players noticing it, their fans are all out of control. 
That's fine. You wanted to incite their fans. That's cool. But you're making it harder on your own team to go while you try to go viral. To me, this is not Chad Johnson guarantees win before a game against Chiefs. This is not that. This is Bengals stepping it. I mean, I, I wonder, are there checks and balances? Is it one person saying, hey, I'm going to tweet this and, and nobody's – it's not bouncing off anybody else? Or was this a collective decision that, yeah, this would would be a good idea? It Because you're right. Think about when, when he did that. That was in 2005 when the the Bengals were – just rolling. They they had you, the the Chad Johnson game where he predicted the win against the Chiefs is what really got this franchise. That was two, years, that was that was two prior. Yeah, yep. that wasn't. That, but that's what really got this team rolling. And they had two eight and eight seasons, and then this was the year they were just steamrolling through the the AFC North, and they had swept the Steelers when he did that. A totally different scenario than, than what you've got going on right now. And I I want I remember. I remember Wondering how that because that was that was after the game that he did that. So the next time the Bengals and Steelers met in 2006, uh, the Bengals, they won. They won in Pittsburgh again. Uh, And then after that is really when when things kind of turned around. If you guys remember the the season finale in 2006, Uh. uh, all the Bengals had to do. Well, really, in. The week before, all they did was kick an extra point and they go to the playoffs. And the Brad St. Louis sails it over Kevin or sails it over the holders head. Then the following week, all you gotta do is beat the Steelers at home and you go in the playoffs and they lose on a bomb in overtime. And that that was the first Steelers win after the TJ Hushman Zada terrible towel. And it was there even when it happened, there was there was it, social media wasn't quite what it is now, but there was a lot of blowback from Steelers fans and just trotting that video back out again this week is, is really a curious decision, but maybe, maybe that's what they're going for. They're they're that the killer instinct, the swag that the Joe Burrow swag, maybe, maybe they're just saying, Hey, we're not afraid of anything, but I, I, I would imagine that the decision to run that video was not run by the coaching staff. <laughs> I would imagine that as well. Uh, that's that's my thing on that. I just you know it's it's a thing. How much does it really have a bearing on Sunday? I don't know. But it's it's why why give it why give extra motivation? Why why go that direction? I don't you know. Hey, you're right. Maybe they're trying to say, hey, we're the new Bengals. We're not afraid. We're not little brother. We're we'll taunt the bear. We'll poke the bear if we want to taunt them. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jay. You've got some. You got more stats, by the way. We haven't got to, and that is uh, on second quarter points. Uh, so go back and if you are again in the positive echo chamber, uh, <laughs> go ahead and uh, scroll forward another two minutes as Jay has stats part two. Sad stats. Yeah, this is kind of a, a branch of losing time, and it's it's. I don't know it. I I keep a, a database every year, and I I track how many points they give up in each quarter by game, and I just. I, I noticed, you know, it's like, man, every game they give up points in the second quarter. You know, when was the last time? And so I go through and it's been 41 straight games that the Bengals have given up points in the second quarter. And, you know, a big part of that's losing time, the final two minutes. So I got some help from the folks at Sports Radar to help me create some reports and 41 consecutive games giving up points in the second quarter is the second longest streak in NFL history since they started 
track, you know, tracking quarters, uh, points scored in quarters in 1991. That's when they really got serious with with play play tracking. The the Raiders gave up 43 or gave up points in the second quarter, 43 games in a row, and from 2003 to 2006. The, the Seahawks currently have given up 41 or given up points in 41 straight games in the fourth quarter. But th- this is what's weird that so the Bengals streak is active second quarter. The Bengals also own a 23 game streak of giving up points in the fourth quarter and a 23 game streak of giving up points in the third quarter. Those are three of the top six streaks in the <laughs> NFL since 91 of giving up points in a specific quarter. Wow. It's just, it's amazing. And the, the third quarter one was the, it, that was the final 23 games of the, the Marvin Lewis era. And the, the 23 straight games of giving up points in the fourth quarter was back in the dark days. Well, really it wasn't quite, it was the nineties, but it was when things were start. You felt like things were starting to turn around. That was in 97 and 98. Uh, when when Bruce Cosler replaced David Shula, but it's just it's uncanny to think that forty one straight games you can give up points in the second quarter. I don't know what it is about the second quarter. I you know a big part of it, as I said, is those final two minutes. But uh, that that'll be something else to watch because they're they're only two games away from tying the Raiders record. Just astounding. You know what that means? Hey, your defense is bad. Yes, <laughs> things it has been for a long time. For a long time, things things you did not need to know or to be pointed out to you if you were a Bengals fan. Yep, well aware. Defense bad. Time to take a quick break and let's hear from a sponsor. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We have to bring in Mark Caboli because he's going to set up our whole thing. Because we, we The inside scoop on all things Steelers. You know Mark comes in. You know, Bengals fans and Mark have a, they have an up and down relationship. It's a it's a bit of a roller coaster, but I have a feeling this is going to be an up. I have a feeling this is going to be a up with the insight that Bengals fans are looking for. So here is Jay. Here's uh, your interview with our guy inside in Pittsburgh, our athletic beat writer uh, for the Steelers, Mark Caboli. I think this is what Mark. Uh, this is show number twelve or thirteen for you this week with the undefeated Steelers. Something like that. It, they seem to be a, a very popular uh, topic so far. But, you know, to be honest with you, um, they're not very popular when it comes to the national media. Everybody's thinking that uh, they're phonies. So it's kind of interesting dynamic that they're 8-0 and people are really, really believing they're, that's, not, that's not really a sign of things to come, which is kind of interesting. So you would think that they would be kissing their butt a little bit, Jay, but they're actually not. Well, you know, one thing that'll pique the interest of the national media is COVID, and that's obviously a situation <laughs> this week. Where, where do things stand COVID-wise with the Steelers as we're recording this Thursday morning? Oh, yeah, it's kind of a little bit of a mess here in Pittsburgh just because uh, 
Uh, late last week, uh, one of the staff members tested positive and not many people thought much about it because we didn't know what staff member it was or anything like that. Still don't. But then later in the week, tight end Vance McDonald surprisingly missed practice on Friday because of what they listed as an illness. Still didn't think much of it. He traveled to Dallas on Saturday, played Sunday, come back Sunday night. And all of a sudden they announced Monday morning that he, well, they didn't. They announced that he was placed on the COVID list three minutes after they announced that uh, a player has tested positive for COVID. So I'm guessing you can add one and one and get two when it comes to what was happening here. So that, you know, still, that's still not that big of a deal considering, but then you considering who his best friend was, is, and how the dynamics go on their team playing. And you quickly realize Monday that the quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger was probably exposed for it. And, a uh, period of time here to McDonald because they are good friends and they do sit next to each other on the plane. So they put him on the COVID list. He has to pass two consecutive tests. He can play on Saturday if he shows no symptoms. So that's where they're at right now. But the facility is pretty much locked down to a point where um, meetings are all virtual. They just basically show up to the facility to practice, then leave. That's it's how the rules are right now. And in best case scenario for the Steelers is Roethlisberger will come back Saturday, do a light walkthrough and be ready for the game Sunday. Yeah. You wrote about this where Mike Tomlin kind of has this unwritten or maybe it is written somewhere, but no practice, <laughs> no play rule, but that, that can't be in play here. Can it? No, I would say absolutely not with him. Um, just for the fact that he wasn't going to practice on Wednesday or Thursday either because he had that knee injury against Dallas. So, uh, plus, I mean, 17-year veteran, guys played, you know, has every single record in the book. I mean, but, however, that's never happened before. Even in some of his most significant injuries, he's always was on the field for a Friday practice for a limited capacity, even – Five years ago, I believe, when they played Cleveland, he was had a huge – he had a really bad foot problem. He wasn't going to play, but they just dressed him as a backup, barely practiced all week. Then Landry Jones gets hurt first series in, and he comes as he likes to – as we like to uh, make fun of him a little bit. The old, uh, the old gunslinger cowboy comes uh, – off his horse and threw for 400 yards and three touchdowns without practicing very much at all. It's more, it's pretty much a rule that he sticks by other than when he doesn't have to stick by it because it's a person that matters. So yeah, that if he passes these tests and shows no signs, no symptoms and is released by the NFL, he'll play Sunday. Yeah, Bengals fans have seen that act before with the old gunslinger coming off the sideline in that 2015 wildcard game. But we we won't torture him by reliving that at all. Um, what happened in Dallas? I mean, how did that that how did was it was it Ben's injury or how did that bad team take the only undefeated team to the wire? Uh, well, you know, I think some of it had to do with that stretch of games they did play. I mean, we have to recall here they played Cleveland, who was at the time. I believe they were three, four, and one, and they were the the flavor of the week. 
They've, so they played Cleveland. They had to go to Tennessee, to Baltimore, and to Dallas. And once they got to Dallas and got through that, that gauntlet of 3-0, and I'm sure they took a little bit of an exhale right there. And, I mean, you can't do that in this league, even if the Dallas Cowboys stink. You wish they'd do with the backup quarterback and a run game. But they just couldn't get anything together. And I don't think it was much them as Dallas was playing pretty decent. And they are fortunate to come away with a win. And, and that's probably some of the reason why there's some question marks around this team now because you're looking at they had to come back and there was a ball thrown in the end zone against Dallas or they were going to lose. The week prior, same thing with uh, Baltimore. Last play of the game thrown in the end zone, they were going to lose. Week before that, the kicker from Tennessee missed the field goal or would have went into overtime. So it's for Dallas. I mean, it, those things tend to happen from time to time, and that's how they're viewing it. Um, it. It didn't hurt that, you know, Steelers are missing a couple key run defenders that uh, Dallas was able to run a little bit. I don't think they're too concerned about it. As long At this point in the season, you're going to have those type of games as long as you find a way to win rather than find a way to lose, I think they're okay with it, but they definitely need to clean up some stuff moving forward. Yeah, you talk about concerns. I mean, one thing that's really unstealer like they, they haven't cracked 100 rushing yards in three straight games, haven't hit 50 in the last two. I looked it up. The last time that happened was 2016. Now that team, they lost both those games, and they still went on to, to make the AFC Championship mm-hmm. game. So this time they won both of the games where they didn't hit 50, but – but what is going on there? What are why are they are they struggling to run the ball, or are they just kind of going away from the run and putting everything on Ben's shoulders? Well, it's a little bit of a combination of things. I don't know how interested they are in running, considering that they really really like the controlled, uh, quick passing game. Is this extension of the run game? Um, they're very good at that. I mean, what's the difference between handing the ball off to James Conner and throwing the ball at 1.4 seconds to, you know, Deontay Johnson three yards down the field that goes for seven. That has part to do with it. I mean, against Dallas, they just they just weren't interested. Dallas was very interested in stopping the run. They were playing some of the old Bears 46 defense and made it difficult. And instead of pounding your head against the wall, they just said, okay, forget about it. We won't run the ball. But it's been a concern, not a concern, but it's been – a problem where they aren't very – even when they were running for 100 yards, uh, I think they had four or five straight games where a running back ran for 100 yards. That still was a little misleading because there were some big games, uh, big gains late in, that, uh, in those games to push them over 100 yards. So as long as they're able to run the ball – late to close out games, which they weren't able to do against Dallas. They were turned away on a fourth and one that would have ended the game. I think they're okay with it. But it's just a a unit right now is in a little bit of disarray because, I mean, Connor's not touching the ball very much. I don't know if they should go with Benny Snell. Anthony McFarland's in there getting some and getting some time. And and their offensive line really hasn't been pushing people off the ball. So it's a little bit of everything. I'm sure they would love to come out against the Bengals and get right really quick. And I'm sure if they have that opportunity, they would like to, you know, get that run game going, Jay. Move to the other side of the ball where I'm sure 
Bengals fans are chugging Pepto and biting their fingernails all week, wondering if Joe Burrow is going to survive this game. That that Steelers defense. I mean, this is what your your nineteenth year covering the team. Yeah, we go two or three. Yeah, where where does this defense rank in the time you've been covering the team? Uh, they're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty good because they got a lot of talent for one thing. Uh, so uh, the problem, though, has been the last couple of weeks is some of the uh, people that you probably don't aren't household names have been hit, injured that have been really, really hard for them to replace. And one of them is Tyson Alu-Alu, a 12-year veteran or 11-year veteran defensive lineman who's got switched to nose tackle and he's been unbelievable this year but he's been out he could be back this week and Mike Hilton their little spark plug nickel cornerback who actually is a tremendous run stopper as well so they, they've been having trouble with that plus they're trying to get a new inside linebacker acclimated in Robert Spillane because Devin Bush is out they brought in Avery Williamson He'll play some this week as well at inside linebacker. But with the Steelers, it's all about the pressure. And you know darn well when you had – I don't care where Joe Burrow came from, LSU or, you know, one of, you know the best college program maybe ever, they're going to pressure the heck out of him and see if he can be able to handle that. And they got the players to do that. I mean, obviously, Watt, Dupree, Hayward, it. those guys have really – been really good this year, especially the Steelers' interior alignment of Hayward and Tuitt. And I'm sure the Bengals' interior line might not be the best in the world. So that's probably a matchup you have to watch them get really a lot of pressure from some of those 300-pound guys they got in the middle and try to push it right up the middle there. So they're going to bring it to him and see if he can – I mean, look what they did last year. I mean, they did it all the time to them to the Bengals. They're going to just try to pressure the living crap out of him and see if he can handle it. You know, Mark, I think this is a first. I think this is the first time ever that you haven't said anything that's going to get hate mail from Bengals fans. Uh, it, it will. Jay, it will. It will. <laughs> Somebody will call me a mouth breather or something like that. I don't know. I try. I tried to turn it up a little bit for uh, tomorrow's uh, um whip around so maybe i was trying i was trying to get to some of the fans but you know the Bengals are actually i got more issues with the browns now than the Bengals. at least the Bengals have some sort semblance of life if they could just get that offensive line worked out i think they'd be a lot better than people might think but the browns just seem like a mess right now yeah, a warmer, fuzzier <laughs> mark caboli Bengal fans there he is now, until you read until you read the whip around tomorrow uh, hey, Mark, I really appreciate you jumping on with us and uh, look forward to Sunday's game. Unfortunately, I won't be there. We'll, we were doing the, the remote coverage, as you know, but um, look forward that's to. Fortunately, that's fortunately, Jay. Yeah, no, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, thanks again, Mark. All right. Good Good to have. Hey, Mark, Mark, the nice guy today. A little measured. You, you, Me- the up and down <laughs> relationship. Mark gets up when he kicks the Bengal fans when they're down. That's that's the up and down relationship. <laughs> so, yeah, he 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 did. He 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 wasn't too too provocative today. Uh, said he was going to save it for the whip round. So make sure you read the AFC North whip <laughs> round on Friday. Award winning. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you kind of got the background on what's going on in Pittsburgh where they're eight and oh and i saw this thing you know the, the, the thing is going around of are they the worst ever eight no team 
<laughs> what does that mean? Like they're really good. I mean, their their offense has been okay. It's 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 Ben Roethlisberger's been good enough, and they've been okay. Their defense is ridiculous, and you know that's enough. And you find ways to win games. Good for you. I mean, look they they were really close to losing to the Cowboys in Dallas, and Tennessee nearly came all the way back on them too. And two teams that I think Bengals fans should certainly see themselves in the same level as, if not better than, judging by the way the Bengals just played against the Titans. So I don't think there's a feeling of invincibility to this team. I think they do some things very well. They deserve to be 8-0, and no, but they don't have – this doesn't, to me, come across as a matchup of where the Bengals have no chance, despite the fact that the Steelers' strength is the Bengals' weakness. It doesn't come across that way. To me, I, I think it's a bad matchup, but I think when you look at what teams have found their way in against the Steelers, except for Baltimore. No, even Baltimore had a chance to win the game on the final play. That's true. So it, it it's going to be interesting with the, the, the COVID situation they've got going on there with Ben. And as Mark mentioned, you know, they're three straight road games. That's going to take it out of a team. And now being home against a team you've absolutely owned. Um, I would be surprised if the if the Bengals won this, but I would I would be more surprised if it was a rout. I feel like we're we're gonna see that that progression uh, continue in the form of at least being competitive against the best team in record wise in football. Um, I do expect it to be a, a, an entertaining and a close game. I'm with you on that. Uh, let's run past or boot this before we get into predictions and growler bet. Uh, what I like this, Jay. I'll give you the honors. You came up with it, uh, so I'll give you. I'll give you the honors of uh, throwing it out there. Yeah. Okay. So run pass or boot. Which will be greater on Sunday? Steelers sack yardage, Bengals points scored, or the long longest Bengals reception? And if you're playing along at home, I'll I'll give you a little. A little hint here the the last the last time the two games last year the Steelers sack yardage was thirty four and sixty nine. So if we see a repeat of that Monday night game, then that that's the obvious run because none of those other numbers are topping sixty nine. You wouldn't think, um, but the, but the games before that were twenty four, sixteen, eleven, thirty two, eleven. There's it, it's kind of a you kind of would expect it to be in the teens, maybe low twenties for for sack yardage. Um, I'm, I'm still going to run with that one. I think it's going to be it's going to be hard with the condition of this Bengals offensive line and the excellence of that of that Steelers defense for them to to shut not shut out but to shut down a a Steelers pass rush. They're going to get to Burrow you would think 3 4 5 times, you know, 6 5 6 7 yards per per time. So that that number is going to be pretty high. Um I'll, I'll I'll pass on the longest reception. Um, I, I do think they they'll be able to to. You mentioned the the struggles, the, the matchups with the, the Bengals receivers and the Steelers DBs. Um, I think Joe Burrow will be able to hit one or two for for some decent gashes, and then I'll I'll boot Bengals points. Um, I, I see this as a 21 six. You know that kind of game. Um, so I. I that's that's the order I'll go. I'll, I'll run with the sack yardage, pass on the receptions or the longest reception, and boot Bengals points. 
I'll run with reception. I think at some point they're going to hit uh, some sort of catch and run or screen or something like that. I do. I do think one of their some one of their quick game plays I think will get out. Um, they've got enough guys, especially you know you get Mixon back. I think there's a chance you could see him, you know, bust something up with a screen or or something in the passing game as well. So I I'm going to go with reception and pass on sack yardage. And I, I agree with you. I think points. It's hard not to put points. I mean, as good as this team has been offensively, it's just, you know, look who this what the Steelers defense is and and how tough it's going to be. It's going to be uphill slide. And the defense, the Bengals defense is going to have to find a way to manufacture some stuff for them and and certainly play much better than they have been if this team is going to find a way uh to pull this upset. Uh so final prediction? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Steelers twenty to sixteen. The the Bengals continue their run of covering. Um and the Steelers continue their run of scoring in the final two minutes of the first half. That'll that'll be one of their two field goals. And I, I think I think we'll see the Bengals with the ball with with a chance to take the lead. It, they'll they'll take they'll get the ball down twenty sixteen and I think the Steelers will do just enough to hold on and and, and go nine and zero. Yeah, you and I have the same thought on this game. I had twenty three seventeen, and I think you know we can throw in a caveat without Ben Roethlisberger. Should we throw in a in case a po- in case a positive Roethlisberger test shows up? I mean, just a, is that enough? Would that yeah. swing it for you if if Mason Rudolph was the quarterback? It would for me. I, I would. I would. I would go twenty, twenty one, thirteen, Bengals. If wow. uh, no Ben. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm. Not, I don't think this defense is holding anybody to thirteen points. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't care. <laughs> I don't. I don't care who's rolling out there. Okay. I don't care if the you know much respect to whoever the quarterback at Hamilton High School is, but whoever Hamilton High School's quarterback could probably go out there <laughs> and top thirteen with the the playmakers that uh, the Steelers have and the way the Bengals defense has struggled. Um, I don't know that it swing. I I feel like you want it to swing it for you, but just like how many of these games do you got to see? I I think the Bengals are probably good enough that they. I can't even say it. Like I want to say it. I feel like I should say it. But to say that the Bengals will beat the Steelers, they've lost ten in a row. They've lost thirteen of fourteen. Bud Dupree, T.J. Watt, like I, I even with Mason Rudolph, I have a hard time going there. I really do. Because I don't think that quarterback play is necessarily the reason the Steelers will win this game. I think their pass rush is the reason they will win this game. I think their ability to, to slow down everything the Bengals want to do is going to be the reason they can they will win this game. But I'll, so I'll, I'll say I think the Steelers still win. We'll say eighteen seventeen with Mason Rudolph six field goals. Uh, yeah, yes, and twenty three seventeen with Ben Roethlisberger is is going to be uh, my prediction. All right, Bengals Growler bet. We don't want to make it too easy. We don't want to make it too easy. We need to make it hard. So perhaps we should go with some combination of our run, pass, or boot here. How about we go sack yardage times Bengals points. Sack yardage times Bengals points in this game. Now, I'm going to make zero off the board. No winners. No one's no one's getting me with the zero. 
where the Bengals get shut out or there are no sacks. I'm just not going to do it. Okay? Been burned like this before almost, and I'm not going to have it happen again. So zero is not an eligible answer. But sack yardage times Bengals points is our Bengals growler bet. Now, you can send an email at pdaner at theathletic.com or Twitter at Paul Daner Jr. Send it to me and Jay with the hashtag Bengals growler bet. That's important. Hashtag Bengals growler bet if on Twitter and put growler in your subject header if you're emailing. That is the way that we search for these. So if you don't do either of those, you have eliminated yourself. Poo-poo on you. Uh, so, Jay, what's your number? Well, first, I, I, I've i been a, a fantasy sports commissioner for a long time, and I'm pretty good at like trying to look for possible pitfalls and, and build rules in before they happen. So we, we should say if it is a shutout, we're, we're not just going to say nobody wins because the number was zero. If, if, it, if it is a shutout, let's say the formula reverts to sack yardage plus points. That way there's still a number in play there, which would be the sack yardage, obviously. But I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 390. 390? Yep. Okay. 459. Hmm. For me, 27 times 17. I already got my 17 number. I'm going to say 27 on the sack yardage. 459. Nine, I'm on the record for. Uh, remember, send your Bengals growler bet to us. And if you hit it dead on, like has happened already twice this year, and I'm still not happy about it, uh, 50, a growler of 50, delicious 50 West beer can be yours uh, on us. So thanks to everybody for playing. And thanks everybody for listening to the end of the growler. We love having you. I uh, hope everybody enjoys the Steelers games. You know, here's what I'll say. About this, I, I enjoy I en- I enjoy Bengals Steelers just for the hugeness of it, because when it's relevant, it's so relevant to you guys to to, to Bengals fans, uh, and the biggest moments when you go back through the history of Bengals feeling like they're becoming something, Bengals feeling like not them, you know, the way they're typically viewed. For most fans you talk to, and if you really look through the history, has come by virtue of beating the Steelers in some way, shape, or form. You know, and that goes throughout really the, this whole century. That has been the case when they've been. It's been the benchmark for when they're becoming something, and that's why I look at these two games in particular. You know, we talked about. I mean, I think I circled the next game at Paul Brown Stadium, but particularly these two games as a chance to really show that the Bengals are becoming something because they will always be measured by the Steelers. They just will because of 10 in a row, because of 13 of 14, because of Carson Palmer's knee, because of 2015, because of all of these things that have happened and the nature of this relationship, if you will, it's always an opportunity for the Bengals to show that they are not what they typically have been. And so, for that reason, Sunday's going to be fun. Really looking forward to it, as always, um, and looking forward to bringing the walkout to you guys. Uh, so we, we will be back with the walkout after the game against the Steelers. Keep an eye out for that late Sunday night, Monday morning, into the Monday morning, as they're in the late window. So it should be fun. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time I hear that podcast crowd. Have a good one, everybody.